Welcome to TKG's Healthcare Insights, where we explore healthcare's critical issues, challenges, and trends with a focus on achieving the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We're glad to have you listening today. I'm Warren Smedley with the Kinetics Group. In February, Kaufman Hall published their hospital flash report that showed hospital finances in major distress mode following the end of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or CARES Act, funding. They reported that in January, the median change in operating margin without CARES decreased 71.3%, operating room minutes fell by 15.7%, The average length of stay rose 8.6%, labor expense per adjusted discharge jumped 14.6%, and total expense per adjusted discharge increased 11.6%. That sounds like a terrible start to 2022 to me. My guest today is Mike Blair, Chief Financial Officer at Centricare Health in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Mike is a friend, colleague, and member of TKG's Health System Executive Thought Leaders Panel. Welcome, Mike, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Warren. Appreciate it. Glad to uh, join you here today and get a chance to talk about some of the challenges, financial challenges in in healthcare. Uh, you know, we did see that report from from Kaufman Hall, and you know, as I've talked to my peers across the country, it it really resonated with my peers and our and myself in terms of how challenging, you know, the new year has been, both January and, and February, and. You know, I think there's a number of things that that caused those challenges. You know, we had a peak around COVID really started in the fall, you know, and ran through December, you know, into into January. You had that peak, long legs to stay with those COVID patients, you know, and the workforce, you know, availability challenges on top of that. Plus, you know, we had employees out with COVID or they were under quarantine or they were taking care of something with, with COVID. So we had that combination of, you know, high inpatient census for COVID patients, workforce availability challenges, workforce, you know, with COVID. And it really made a challenging January. And we had to really manage that, that inpatient surgery schedule, you know, to make sure that we had, you know, sufficient bed capacity to one, treat our COVID patients, but also make sure we were treating our, you know, our highly acute patients as well. So that all kind of snowballed in the month of January. So it was a really financially challenging month for us. I've heard that same, you know, from my peers and that's carried into February as well. As we kind of read the tea leaves, we think it's starting to normalize, you know, as we, you know, go through March and we're, we're more hopeful that as we get into what for us having a June 30th year end is our fourth quarter, that we'll start coming out of it and see see it stabilize a, a little more than what we saw this winter. Good. Was the CARES Act funding something that really helped or how did that fit in play into the the last two yeah, years? It, it it did, you know, especially in, in the first, you know, first year, the timing was really good. And I we're gonna flash back two years ago and you know, we didn't want to liquidate any of our long-term investments. You know, we want to hold those, you know, for the for the future, for expansion, growth, you know, put it back into the clinical engine. And I think back two years ago, like we were really close. We were like, okay, we've got, you know, cash here for about a week, and then we're going to have to start liquidate, you know, liquidating wow. some of our long-term investments. And like, like 
the next day we got in a you know a, a tranche of the provider relief funds so we're like oh that arrived like like just in time and it really helped out last fiscal years we did receive funding again this fall i mean it doesn't come close to offsetting the impact of covid we've seen over the last two years but it certainly has been has been helpful good what do you see as the impact on patient care. Uh, we've had all these challenges, been very difficult for hospitals. How does that then translate into patient care? Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen uh, probably a, a few things that I'd say, you know, probably most important is always to be focused around the mission, like the, the, the outcomes and safety, quality, those are always non-negotiable. Like we, we never look at, you know, shortcutting quality or safety. So those always have That's to remain good. at the same level, right? And we're all, any of us who go into a healthcare system, including ourselves, we want to know that that's, you know, the top priority is safety and outcome. So that that's never changed for us. But with the combination of the, of the you know, the workforce force of availability challenges and the high number of, you know, COVID patients in-house, you know, it was really pushing our, our bed capacity. And on, and on top of that, you know, long-term care facilities were having their own challenges. And so mm-hmm. the ability to discharge patients to a transitional care facility was really challenging. So our length of stay was going up across the house. Because so you, you couldn't, couldn't discharge them. Yeah, out. couldn't discharge them, right? And you, and you, ah. you needed those beds. So right. like in our case, the focus was then, okay, let's really manage that surgery schedule. So if it's, if, if it's an inpatient surgery, and it's not, you know, critical time sensitive, then let's reschedule it to make sure that we always have enough staff and enough bed to treat, you know, those most ill patients. Now, the unfortunate part of that is, you know, you're, you're delaying someone's surgery. And we know that when you're delaying someone's surgery, it may be somebody who's coming in for a hip replacement. Well, you're putting that off. Like, there's a reason why they need to have the hip replacement. So we're recognizing from a patient care standpoint, that's not ideal. You know, we want to get those done as, as soon as we can. But what was most important is that we had the capacity to deal with, you know, traumas coming in or, you know, if we have a cardiac condition that's or a neural condition that's is really acute and has to be dealt with today, we have to make sure we've got you know, the staff and the bed to, beds there to be able to handle those. So we had to go through that process of, you know, really kind of managing, you know, the, the staffing and managing that surgery schedule to make sure that we always had capacity to deal with those, those you know, those most critical cases. Sure. What have you seen with staffing? Do you see this being a periodic and episodic issue of staffing? It will even back out again, or do you see us on on trajectory to have continued problems with staffing. Yeah, I I think it's going to take it's going to take a while to solve this one cuz we're we're just not educating and attracting, you know, enough nurses and surgical techs and respiratory therapists like, etc. And if you if you you know look back over the last 2 years like the number of individuals who have either retired or have le- left the industry is is really kind of astounding. Uh, and so we've got a one is, you know, back and engage, make sure mm-hmm. we retain the ones that we have. And, and that's kind of going through and just we kind of refer to it as the, the day in the life of like the day in the life of a nurse. You measure what happens in that nurse's workday. What are those things that really motivate them and really, you know, keep them happy? But what are those things that are frustrating? 
and fix those frustrating things so so that they you know really stay engaged they want to continue to work here and the other is is always making sure people connect back to the to the mission so i think mm-hmm. you know part of the strategy is we've got to retain we've got to make it easier to be a healthcare professional so they want to stay in the industry but we just have got to educate more we've got to get especially you think about you know the aging population we have to get more people interested in you know a career in, in healthcare Sure. Have you tried any innovative ways to to address some of those issues you just mentioned for healthcare workers? Uh, innovative ways to take the load off. I've talked with several others in, on our health system executive thought leaders panel who have said, "Yeah, we've tried different things with different positions and adding or taking away or doing different uh, innovative ways of approaching that staffing burden." Have you tried anything there? Yeah, you know, I, I think originally a lot of the health systems, you know, they went to money first, you know, uh, right. you pay a retention bonus, you know, should we raise the, the wages? And some of those things are, are certainly are legitimate, that you need, you need to do some of those, but it really wasn't solving the, the root problem around, you know, what do healthcare workers find, you know, frustrating or, or challenging or things that, you know, kind of interfere with their attachment to the to the mission. So some of it's getting back to just really focusing around, you know, making their workday easier and, and making sure they they know that that's we're serious about that and they're involved in that. And sometimes it's amazing just some of the small things can be really frustrating, but turn out to be things you can you can solve pretty mm-hmm. easily. Some are just small things like just make sure that the supplies are all stocked. So, so they know if I need to go get something, they go down the hallway and it's there. Like they don't have to go down and like, oh, it's not there. And now I got to call and now I got to wait. Now I got to, right. It's, so it's solving right. some of those, those things. But I think also is, is expanding what we define as compensation. We, we tend to go to compensation as what you take, take home pay uh, or, you know, just what you take home pay plus your benefits, but thinking more around kind of broader, like, is it family care? You know, is it a means for you to either, you know, have child care or if you're taking care of an elderly adult, um, do we, you know, provide help around that? Uh, do we do more around, you know, career counseling in education? You know, so people really feel like I don't want to leave this organization because mm-hmm. they're, it's, they got, you know, s- such a great benefit package, not, not in terms of the great benefit package of dollars, but like it's a great place to work and I feel like they care about me and they do a lot of simple things. You know, they make it easy for me to get onto the floor. I don't have to park, you know, five miles away and take a shuttle and then walk across the hospital and it takes me 45 minutes just to clock in. And then when I'm done, I clock out and I repeat the 45 minutes. I just lost an hour and a half of my day. Right. It seems like that, that, that we, we got to solve and we really got to focus around. Seems like now would be a great time to try some pilot experimental projects in those areas. I know it's not easy. Parking's a problem for everybody. You know, getting everyone to park close to where they work is hard mm-hmm. to do. Um, and making sure that people eat right and get the breaks they need and do all those kind of things, get the quality of life to support them. Those are hard, but it'd be interesting to possibly run some pilot projects and see, are there things we could do to, to actually add value in that way? Yeah. And, you know, and you hear about more and more organizations who are using, you know, you know, predictive analytics 
to to help hmm. them determine like when it when is a you know when is an employee at risk of leaving you know what are those signs so that you know we can can get to that employee before they leave mm-hmm. you know to have a discussion with them to know you know what you know what are your frustrations be able to tell those frustrations and, and you know be able to get them to stay in the organization. Sure. So we've started talking about some of those things we, we could do from a predictive standpoint that helps us identify when we have a employee at risk of risk of turnover. Hmm. Very good. You mentioned supply chain kind of indirectly, and that was one of the things in this Kaufman Hall report. They talked about delays in the or problems with the supply chain causing problems with patient care. Have you experienced any of that at Centricare? You know, on, on one hand, it, it's gotten so much better than it was when we're looking for, you know, personal protective equipment two years yeah. ago. That was a, all of us were, that was a nightmare for all of Scrambling. us. Scrambling. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that part of it has gotten better. But as I talked to my supply chain folks, they said, you know, because of the disruption in the whole supply chain, there's like, we're always having to try to find substitutes. And so it's a lot of stress on the supply chain team where they or they'd be like, okay, we just, just go get this order from this particular vendor. Like now they call the vendor and they're like, well, we don't have any either. It's sitting on a boat right now, you know, off of Long Beach. Right. Uh, and so they got to quickly go to a, you know, a substitute product. So they said that that's been, you know, a really challenging for them. You know, knock on wood, we, we haven't had any issues where we just stocked out of something. Uh, we got pretty close on gloves. Uh, you know, we were down to you know about a week's worth of not not all gloves. We had gloves, but we were getting short on certain sizes of gloves, and we right. were, you know we were afraid we were going to run short. You know, by the end of the week, fortunately, they found some substitute sources for it. Um, got check off from the physician group that they were fine with the substitute gloves, and you know the, the and the problem was solved. But for about uh, 36 hours there, uh, we had some supply chain people who, who uh, were pretty nervous. <laughs> okay, just a few minutes left, and I want to ask you a question about the payer community. Uh, everybody's putting pressure on hospitals. It's tough enough having the pressure of just like all the world events leaning on the hospital. Uh, payers are putting pressure too. Are you seeing any special innovations that would be good collaborations between payers and Centricare that would actually be a positive collaboration to try and overcome some of these burdens together. Yeah, I've you know we've seen a little more openness to uh, payers willing to enter into a, you know kind of a collaborative model for how do we simplify the administrative flow between the between the entities. And one of our one of our larger uh, payers, they had a chance to chat with with the CFO there and we talked about the concept of you know can we can we get our two two groups together and create a, a an innovative model that that's kind of nation leading that's going to make it administratively easier for both parties and and they were on board with it let's let's see if we can we can resolve you know resolve this and come up with a better model so you know they're responsive uh, we had another large uh, pair large pair outside of Minnesota they do some work in Minnesota, but it's, it's you know not their sweet spot. And they've come to us too with the same concept of let's see if we can simplify, you know, some of uh, some of the administrative burden between the two. So those have been positive. You know, we're we've got value based contracts. You know, we've there's been a lot of discussion around how do we how do we expand those. You know, my my concern is 
you know, with the what we're seeing for wage inflation, supply chain, you know, inflation as well, you know, as our next contracts come up for negotiation, and we're, you know, we're usually used to maybe it's a three percent fee for service increase, and we focus around, you know, the value creation. Well, three percent was was probably fine in a low inflation market, but now when we see inflation, you know, running north of seven percent in the pressure around wages and healthcare, you know, we're going to be in a spot where we're going to say, well, it's going to cost more. Right. You know, of course the payers are like, well, we don't want it to cost more to the consumer. And, and we, you know, we understand that as well, but the challenge is going to be is, you know, the inflation number is going to somewhere within that is, it's, you know, the inflation has got to be accounted for. And so I'll give you a, just a real quick example is we spoke to one of our payers and they want to enter into a long range contract. And we said, well, we're, we're fine doing that, but given the projections around inflation, we're happy to do that, but you have to put a cost escalator in there, right? So we'll adjust the pricing each, you know, each year based on the, the increase in, in CPI. Well, they're like, well, we're, we're not, we're not interested in doing that. I'm like, well, that, yep. I'm like, that's well, that's a strategy. Yep. That's the problem right now is you, you want us to take the risk. We want you to take the risk. And they said, let's do this. Let's just settle on a one-year contract. <laughs> we'll get back together next year and see what it looks like. <laughs> uh, very good. All right, Mike, final question. If you were king for a day, uh, how would you redesign the financial structure for a healthcare delivery system? Yeah, you know, uh, the whole model has just kind of evolved over over time. And it, it's not really focused around how do we really improve the health, you know, of of, of our residents, you know, we don't, we don't really have a model designed to, you know, how do we keep healthy people healthy and how do we keep individuals who have chronic conditions from, you know, from those conditions getting worse? Like how do we, there's not a model that, that does that. Like health systems really are focused around once the individual is either coming in for their checkup or they have a chronic condition, we, we manage it. So the system really isn't designed around, what I'd say is comprehensive health. So I, I would say we, we've got to blow up the whole healthcare industry and rethink it and start with like focused on the people. How do we keep them healthy? You know, how do we manage risk factors? How do we manage them with chronic conditions? How do we manage end of life and kind of line the whole structure to, to reflect, you know, that overall goal. Sounds simple to me. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Mike, thank you. This has been a great discussion. I really, really appreciate your taking the time to share your insights with us. Not easy problems to solve, but it will take all of us working together, the whole healthcare delivery system working together to really address these issues because no one individual unit within the delivery system can solve this on their own. We all have to work together. Cost of care will continue to be a challenge for our industry. We need to constantly be challenging ourselves to gain a better understanding of how to collectively achieve that quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. We need to make sure we're getting our patients the right care at the right time in the right place so that we can optimize the best possible outcomes. Mike, thank you. Yep. Appreciate it, Warren. Well, that wraps up another week of TKG's Healthcare Insights. Thank you for joining us. We welcome your suggestions, ideas, and requests for podcast topics of interest. 
please email us at oncology at thekineticsgroup.com and write Insights Podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Have a safe and healthy day. You have been listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the TKG Oncology team of the Kinetics Group. TKG Oncology empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at tkgoncology.com. Thank you for joining us today.